Ah, thank you so much. The longer you applaud, the shorter I preach. It's, it's a miracle of God. <laughs> the more amens I hear, the shorter I preach. And that's a lie. <laughs> you encourage me, I'll never quit. <laughs> and, uh, but what a great day, man. It's just, listen, I, when I come to a church that has life in it, that has the wind of God, the breath of the, I just rejoice. It's that moment where I go, yes! Because if I go to a church that does not have the life of God in, I go, and even then people are looking, who made noise? And uh, but what a great joy it is for Renee and I to be here with you today. And, I mean, you can count on it. I'm a 30-minute preacher. It takes me about 30 minutes to warm up to start preaching. But, no, I'm just teasing. We're going to have a great time together today. It is Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. This is, if you will, this is the greatest week of our faith. Now, trust me, I love Christmas. My wife loves Christmas more than I do because we've got nine grandkids, and uh, she, she, she buys for them all year long. Every week I come home and she says, baby, you won't believe how much money I saved you today. <laughs> uh, yeah, fellas, look right at your spouse. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, she loves the Christmas. I love Easter. This is a day of sorrow wrapped with celebration. Today is a celebration. Next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, will be the greatest celebration that we have to this day. There's coming a greater day of celebration. It's the coming of the Lord. But for what we have right now, this Sunday and next Sunday, are the greatest celebrations that we have wrapped around the greatest sorrow, wrapped around the death, not the murder, no one took his life from him. He gave his life to pay the penalty for you and me. He laid it down. He willingly stepped to the cross for you and I. You know, there are times that the enemy will whisper to us, your sin is too great, your sin is too frequent, your failures are too obvious. But I want you to know, your failures never measure up to the love of God that he had for you, the amount of love that would send his son to the cross for you will always overwhelm your failures because he is the king who has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered the grave, and he has conquered hell. And that has nothing to do with my sermon. But I tell you what, you worship, you get me wound up and... Uh, I tell you what, it's a great day. I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do two things this morning. I'm going to I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to give you a word that I that I just feel I just I really just can't shake it. I I think that there's a a word for someone, and maybe more than one person here today. But I want to preach first a little bit about Palm Sunday and about this week. Think about the things that happened this week in the life of Christ. He cursed a barren fig tree, and it withered up and died. 
That speaks to us about how much Jesus loves the fruit of our life. He overturned the money changers, religious system. I want you to know, Jesus said, you don't have to create a system of rules and regulations to worship me. He spoke to them about the importance of faith, the importance to believe God. He taught them about the end times. I love this. He rested. He rested. He shared communion with his disciples. Think about this with me for just a moment. Communion is not a word that's used in the scripture. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus didn't say to his disciples, I've longed to share this communion with you. He said, I long to share this meal with you, the, the Passover meal. I, and, and we get the word communion from those words of Jesus. I have longed to share. Isn't that what communion is, deep, intimate sharing? And that's what Jesus wants from every one of us, to have times of deep, intimate sharing where we just say to the Lord, I'm scared. I'm frightened. I'm doubtful. I'm concerned. I'm, and in those moments as we begin to have deep, intimate sharing with the Lord, he will have deep, intimate communion with us as well. And then lastly, he washed the disciples' feet. I just, it's a, it's a powerful lesson for all of us. So next week is Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. Here's a couple of words of instruction for you that your pastor won't tell you. Don't you dare sit in the back. Save that for sinners. Rush to the front row. Invite someone to church this Sunday. People are seven times more likely to attend if you invite them for Christmas service or as they will call it, Easter service. Seven times more likely to attend. That means you know somebody who would probably come if you asked them and said, if I bring a guest with me, I get to sit in the back. Please come with me to church next Sunday. Now, praise the Lord. What's Palm Sunday all about? It's really all about incredible times of worship. Who are they worshiping? Why are they worshiping? Who do they think they are worshiping? How are they worshiping? There's some important questions that apply to us. This incredible week, we're going to take a look at John chapter 12, verse number 12. I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible and probably out of the NIV as well. But I love that the picture that the Living Bible gives us in John chapter 12, verse number 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. And a huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! God bless the King of Israel! Hail to God's ambassador! Jesus rode along on a young donkey, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid of your king, people of Israel. For he will come to you meekly, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't realize at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus returned to his glory in heaven, then they noticed how many prophecies of Scripture had come true before their very eyes. And those in the crowd who had seen Jesus call Lazarus back to life were telling all about it. 
That was the main reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this mighty miracle. Then the Pharisees said to each other, we've lost. Look, the whole world has gone after him. I want you to know this is a parade. That's what this is. This is a a parade moment. People are out and lining the parade route when they hear that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. It's Passover week. Passover was the time when Israel celebrated their freedom that they obtained from slavery in Egypt. You see, the people of God went to Egypt for a moment and stayed for a lifetime. How many people do you know that have gone for a moment into a place of sin and have stayed for a lifetime? They came to celebrate this Jewish Passover when the death angel passed over them, when the death angel turned, touched everyone who did not have blood over the lamp or over the lintels of the, of the door into the house, over the entryway into the house, and the death angel would come, and if there was no blood on the door, the death angel would go in and strike the eldest. How many of us are the oldest son or daughter? Man, you would have been gone. But where the blood had been applied, the death angel did what? He passed over that house. And that's where we get the Jewish term of Passover. It was a celebration that God spared their family and their lives. And now they've all come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And and it's incredible. Man, I've got a thousand points here, and and I'm going to share them all. Israel only came together for two reasons. You see, Israel was, if you will, the United States of Israel. There were 12 tribes, 12 states. Each state had a prophetic word spoken about them that was different than the others, but they came together for only two purposes. They came together when there was warfare, and they came together to worship. Palm Sunday They came together for the feast. What did they do when they came to Jerusalem for the feast? They worshiped. Palm Sunday is all about our worship. It's the entrance of the king into his promised land. They came to celebrate Passover. Now they come out because they hear that Jesus is coming, and they're coming to welcome him as king. They come out with palm branches. Why is that? Because this was a tradition in the, in the Arab world, in the Israeli world, in the Jewish world, in the ancient world, that when a conquering king would come back into the city, when they had conquered uh, their enemies and they brought the spoils of warfare back with them, the people would come out of the city to welcome their king. And they would come out with palm branches for two reasons. First, it was a physical act of worship that said, even the trees bow down to you. It was the recognition that this was the king. Even the Romans took this celebration and made it their own. 
that when a conquering general would come back, the people would come out of the city of Rome and they would put the, the people that they had conquered and subjected, they would put them in the front of the parade so people could ridicule them and, and hurl curses upon them. But the last one who came, then the soldiers came, then the spoils came, and the last one who arrived was the general. And there would be shouts of acclamation. Even the Romans stole this idea of celebrating the return of the king. When you think about in the Old Testament when David had become too old to go out into warfare and David is watching at the edge of the city for news when Absalom had revolted and there was civil war. He's watching at the gates at the walls of the city for news to come back. And when he sees someone running, he says, oh, that he must be a herald of good news that's coming. Why? Because the people were watching to welcome the conquering general, to welcome the conquering king. And that's what they came out to do. This was a parade that was really foreshadowing what's going to happen someday in the near future when the trumpet will sound, when the dead in Christ will be resurrected, when we will meet him in the air, when we come back together and Christ will rule and reign. And I want you to know there is coming another day of celebration and of life and of joy, and it's a day for every one of us. This Palm Sunday was just a foreshadowing of the great day that was to come. They're coming out, and they're waving the, even the trees bow down to you. You are the king. You are the king over all. You have spoiled the enemy. They were saying, we submit to you. We submit. We recognize you as the king. We welcome you back to your rightful place. And that's what we're going to do at the return of the Lord. We welcome you back your rightful place. But it was also a practical area of worship. It would stir and cool the air. It was a way to say, we're not only submitting to you, we are serving you. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. Next Sunday when we come into the house of the Lord, we have another opportunity to go, yes, we worship you. We recognize you. We welcome you back from the grave. We recognize your place. It's welcoming back to the king, to his kingdom. He, the, when the king would go out to, think about 2 Samuel, when the springtime, when kings would go out to war, when they would come back. When your king came back, he had conquered the enemy. He had protected your home, your family. He had returned with things you had never seen before. That was their physical act of worship. Have you ever, so I grew up in a church where, you know what this meant? This meant, I got to go to the bathroom. And this meant, I really got to go to the bathroom. And we came into a spirit-filled church the first Sunday. My mom, I was 15 years old. My mom did not believe in sitting behind the fourth row. Now, all of you are safe. Because my mom used to say to us, if you sit behind the fourth row, you're just a backslider. And we're, we went to this church, and there was about 14, 15 rows. And as you'd have to know my mom, we never made it to church on time. Can I get a witness? And here we are the first Sunday. 
I've been this tall since I was 12 years old. And we march right down to the third row. We sit down, and there's a bunch of old ladies with hankies. And I mean, man, worship began, and they went crazy. And I'm like, what is going on in this place? You know, sometimes it's hard for us to raise our hands to the Lord in worship. You know why that is? Because our flesh doesn't want to submit. That's the only reason for it. There's something natural when we release and we begin to lift our hands and we begin to lift our voice to the Lord. Something natural begins to flow out of us. But at that moment, it's so hard to begin because the flesh is saying, no, we won't submit, we won't surrender. But when you Something begins, a freedom begins to flow in your heart and your life. Physical worship. To lift your hands and your voice to the Lord. So that's their actions, but listen to their words. Hosanna. Hosanna is a word that means our Savior or save us now or save us our Savior. It's the same type of word that's used when the woman pleaded to David to return Absalom, please be my helper, please be my Savior. They sang Hosanna. It's just a simple term to recognize you are the Savior. Hosanna, you saved me. I... I... I remember when Renee and I got married. I can't tell you how many years ago it was because I don't remember. It'll be 41 years this year. Good. <laughs> I'm right. 41 years ago, we got married. And I remember I'm, you know, it's a long story. It was a miserable day. <clears throat> Up until the point when my beloved walked through the back doors. And in that moment, I got to tell you, there was something that said, yes! It was a moment of celebration. It was a moment of joy. Renee and I dated for three years over a six-year period. We dated, we broke up. 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 But now, here we are at the end. It is the fulfillment of those six years. I want you to know that shout of Hosanna is a fulfillment, that there will be a day, I believe one of the words you'll hear shouted more than any others at the return of Christ is, Hosanna, our Savior has come. The second thing that they sing is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a, a phrase that identifies him as the Messiah. Blessed is the promised one, the one we've all heard about. Luke 19 says, when he came near Jerusalem at the place where the road went down to the Mount of Olives, the large crowd of his disciples began to thank God and began to praise him in loud voices for all the great things that they had seen. God bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the Messiah. Our Father has sent him. Sadly for some of them, they were thrilled to welcome him as the king of Israel, but never the king of their own hearts. He was the king of their nation, but not the king of their life. We have to remember that. So what are they doing? They are singing, and they are saying, and they are doing, welcome home, king. We submit to you, 
We serve you. You are our Savior. You have delivered us from our enemies. You have met our needs. You are our King. But I want to finish with just this thought. They had no idea what was coming just five days later. They had no idea what was coming on the fifth day. They had no idea that Christ would be crucified. What they thought was going to be an incredibly, the beginning of an incredibly joyful moment, they didn't realize that there was going to be a moment of sacrifice. You see, the Passover week held something that they had probably not thought about. During the Passover, you had to bring a lamb into your house for a full week. How many of you, how many of you have a pet? Yeah, you're the people. How many of you know, if you don't have a pet, how many of you know someone who's got a pet and that pet is like a member of their family? Renee had an aunt who had a little poodle whose name was Silver. That dog loved me, and I hated it. <laughs> Can you imagine bringing a lamb into your house for a week? That that lamb would become a part of your family, a beloved pet. And then at the, for the Passover meal, you had to take the life of the lamb. You didn't get to go down to Walmart or IGA or any of those places and buy a lamb. You had to be involved in the death of the lamb. They didn't realize, they didn't recognize in this moment that in just five days, they'd be a part of the death of the lamb the Lamb of God. But I want you to know, of all of those moments, it's just days later that Jesus is going to be resurrected. This Friday when we have our service, remember, I'm involved in the death of the Lamb. But the flip side of it is, while I'm involved in the death of the Lamb, I'm going to be just as involved in the return of the King. I was involved in the death of the Lamb, but I'm going to celebrate the return of a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to shout, Hosanna, blessed is the one that the king has sent, that the Lord has sent to deliver us, to save us, to meet our needs, to help us find freedom, to help us find victory, to help us to take authority over every work of the enemy, over every spiritual wickedness in high places. He's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what I'm going to be involved in as well. 
this Palm Sunday, this moment when they, we celebrate that they would come out and they would wave the palm branches back and forth to say, even nature bows down to you when they would submit to him and serve him is just a foreshadowing of a day that's soon coming for us. We celebrate their parade, but we're going to get to have our own. We're going to get to have our own parade when the king comes back when the trumpet sounds and welcomes us home. We're go, we're, in, in the millennium, I don't know how much they're going to be talking about the Palm Sunday, but I know they're going to be talking about the Sunday when he came back a second time. Because we're going to make that a phenomenal parade. That's going to be an incredible moment of victory, a moment of praise for each and every one of us. So when we come into the house of the Lord, and I want you to know, this and I gotta, I gotta get to the second thing I'm gonna do real quickly here. But how many of you have ever gone on a trip and everything went perfectly? A couple of you. I'll never forget the first vacation Renee and I took. Church board made us take a vacation. We hadn't taken vacation in a decade, and they said you've got to take a vacation. And. Uh, we had a conversion van. Renee and I have five kids. We had five kids in six years. Yeah, I know. Five kids plus me and Renee, seven of us, and we had a seven-passenger conversion van, and we decided to invite my mom to go with us as well. Eight of us in a seven-passenger conversion van went down to Orlando to go to Disney World, take the, you know, ah, Disney World. The, an hour after we were there, the kids were saying, when can we go back to the hotel and swim in the pool? I wanted to kill every one of those kids. <laughs> we could have gone to the Super 8 and swam in a pool. <laughs> On the way home, we got just outside of Atlanta. When Renee said, I'll drive. She drove, she drove less than 30 or 40 yards before the power steering went out in our van. If you've ever driven north of Atlanta, you know it's all mountains. And, and uh, we got to Paducah, Kentucky, and our fuel pump went out. The city is filled with people who have traveled to get here. Even though they're coming to celebrate Passover, I imagine a lot of them had some broken fuel pumps, some power steering that went out. I imagine some of them traveled eight to a seven-seat mule to get here. But when they came out to greet Jesus, all that was forgotten. And there's coming a day, you might be experiencing difficulty and hardship now, but there's coming a day when all of this will be forgotten because the king has come. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to just share something real quick. I just believe might be a word for someone who's here today. And then we're going we're gonna to worship and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray together. Uh as I was thinking about the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt and into the promised land, the Lord just prompted me that maybe there's someone here today and you are striving to follow God, but there are issues that are going on.
you're experiencing difficulty in what you thought was going to be easy. And there's just four or five things about this Israel coming out of the promised land that I just, I just want to point out to you. They attempted to persuade Moses to compromise his obedience. People will attempt to get you, if you are serving God, your friends who weren't serving God with you last year will try to get you to compromise your obedience. And sometimes it isn't your enemy, but your well-meaning friends and family who will say to you, aren't you going a little too far with this? Aren't you taking this a little too serious? Don't let people persuade you to compromise what God has called you to do. Because if God called you to do it, he will make a way for you. It may not go exactly the way you think it will go, but do not compromise because if you compromise, you will never. You see, the people of God came out of Egypt expecting to find the pleasure of God's blessing. Instead, they found the power of his presence. And the power of his presence is always better than the pleasure of his blessing. And when you find the power of his presence, the pleasure of his blessings will come along. But none of that will occur if you compromise what God has called you to do. Number two, the journey will always be tougher than you first think it will be. They get out and they run within a week or two. They run out of food. They run out of water. Because there were some detours they didn't expect. When God speaks to you, in that moment, things immediately seemed easy to you. I can do that. Because when God speaks to you, his voice brings incredible faith. And when you experience difficulty, you begin to question, did God really speak to me? Because I felt it was going to be so easy. It was going to be, no, what you experienced was the supernatural faith that comes from hearing the voice of God. And when you begin to walk it out, you begin to experience some difficult moments that will make you question, was that really God that spoke to me? And the answer is, yes, it is. Because God rarely speaks to you about your area of expertise. How many of you, when you had your first child, you were an expert? By the time you had your fourth child, you began to realize, I am no expert at all. The journey will be tougher than you first imagined. But never mistake the promise of God for the path of God. Because God walks in steps, and we expect God to walk in leaps. Number three, don't allow your own attitudes or actions to be determined by your personal disappointments. Along the way, when God's called you to do something, there will be times when people, if you will forgive me for using this language, will just hack you off. They will make you mad. Listen to what Moses said. The people were complaining, and Moses, God said to him, go speak to the rock. And Moses went and whacked the rock. And God rebuked him. And Moses said, these people that you gave me, it's their fault. Don't allow your personal disappointment to begin to play out into the lives of other people. 
Next, God's assignment is not limited by what you can't do. If God calls you to do something, don't say, I can't do that. That's not me. That's not my. God's word to you is not limited by what you can't do. You're talking to a guy who gets an upset stomach every time he gets up to speak. Because in all reality, everybody goes, oh, you're such an extrovert. No, I can't stand people. <laughs> you see my wife over there grimacing and amen out. No, I love people, but it's difficult. I'm not an extrovert. I am, when we, we now have, we got five kids and five daughter, four daughter-in-laws and a son-in-law and nine grandkids. And when they come over, I just go to the bedroom and shut the door because it's just too much. Well, I eat, then I go to the bedroom and shut the door. But the word that God spoke to you is not limited by what you can't do because you and God can do anything with God. Think about that. Just Say it to yourself right now. For me, I'm going to say Phil. Would you use your name? Phil, with God, all things are possible. Phil, with God, all things are possible. Maybe I should say it better with this. God, despite Phil, all things are possible. And you can say that about yourself as well. The last thing I just wanted to share with someone, and I don't know who you are today, but failure is never final. Failure is never final. Victory is rarely instantaneous, but failure is never final. God spoke to you to do something. And people are trying to get you to compromise, to only go half the way, to only to say to you, well, let's see how it turns out. And it's turning out a little more difficult than you initially thought it was going to be. Because God walks in steps, not in leaps. And along the way, God's taking you some places where you can learn the power of his presence when all we want to do is experience the pleasure of his blessing. But it's going to be okay because God's not limited by what you can or cannot do. All God wants is your simple yes, your simple obedience to say, okay, God, because failure is never final and victory is rarely instantaneous. Keep following God and there will come a day when the Lord will bring the fulfillment of that word that you're walking in. He'll bring it into absolute fulfillment and he'll use you in a way that you never thought possible. And then God's going to say to you, wait till you see what I've got for you next. And it's going to be a great journey. I want to close with one last story. Renee and I uh, kind of had our life pretty well planned out. Two or three times in my life, I've had my life planned out. And the Lord has spoke something to me. We had three boys. We had three boys in three years. And now we're two years away from that. And one month, one Monday morning, Pastor Darren, at 
5.30 on a Monday morning, I was praying right here in the church where I was serving. And my prayer life always began this way. God, help me to stay awake during prayer meeting at 5.30 on a Monday morning. But right there, God spoke to me and he said, do you love your wife? And you know what you got to tell God. Yes. Would you do anything for your wife that she wanted you to do? Well, yeah. Would you give her anything that was within your power to give her? Yeah. Good. Your wife wants a baby. Go home. Have another child. Whoa, 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 God. I got my, I got it planned out. Three. Three. Three in three years. God, it's enough. months later we had twins and I wish today that my carnal fleshly self had not been so foolish because my five kids are my best friends ten years ago Renee and I had our life planned out thirteen more years we'll retire I had it planned out. We'd bought a 20-year roof. That was the warranty was going to expire the year after I retired. Our kids had all graduated from college. It was the first time we were going to be empty nesters. And God said, I want you to become the district superintendent. They just elected me that day, Pastor Darren. I had no idea. I was sitting on the platform of Tuesday night ordination service, 2012. I'm looking out, and on the back row are three of the, our church's staff members, and they're crying. And it started me to cry. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Don't you dare cry. You stop crying. You go home. You resign. You come follow me got a plan. God maybe has spoke something to you that you didn't have planned. And people will try to get you to compromise your obedience. Don't do it. Keep going. It's a little tougher than you than you thought it was going to be. But you keep going. Ultimately, why? Because King Jesus is going to come again. When he comes, I want him finding me doing what he called me to do in that day. And you too. Can we stand together?